0: Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link. Once again, we're we help you our listener and our viewer really determine what is best for your health and how to really look at all aspects of health so that your health can be the best for you and you can affect the world better that way in our episode today we're going to be talking to new york times best-selling author lisa bevere but if you don't know me i'm dr mark sherwin along with my beautiful wife slash queen slash best friend slash, slash uh, compadre we run the functional medical institute in tulsa oklahoma where Our mission there is to lead people down a pathway of true healing. So we're excited today. This is gonna be a great time and we get to talk to a true pioneer, a true rebel with the cause. Lisa Bevere, thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate this.
1: Hey, I'm super excited to be with you. I love what you stand for. I do believe that we need to actually incorporate spirit, soul, and body in our health.
0: Yeah, and we've really done a pretty poor job of that over the course of time. And as we kind of kick this off, I want to talk about the the some of the books that you've written around the theme of strength. And I I think that's great on how to handle emotions and all that because this is an emotional time. But as we get into that, you know, what is your take today on uh, you know the state of America's health? And we're talking about physical, emotional, and spiritual.
1: Well, I think that. Without any question we are finding out we are not emotionally healthy. We are having a whole lot of Shame and blame and anger and destructive behavior And you know, here's the thing I want to say it doesn't when I say that I'm not saying that it's not right for people to be upset right now but what I am saying is we have to have a constructive response if we're going to move forward. And instead, it feels like our nation uh, is, is like a lot of married couples where they're attacking one another rather than attacking the problem. I heard uh, Dr. Henry Cloud say this, and I thought it was such a great illustration. He said, if you're in conflict with anybody, husband and wife, uh, parent and child, friends, he said, you usually will visualize yourself sitting at two different sides of a table and having a discussion. And the problem is in the middle of the table. And one person pushes the problem towards the other person. And then the other person pushes the problem back. And he said, you never solve problems that way. You need to see yourself sitting on the same side of the table. And the problem on the opposite side of the table. He said that way you realize you're working together to resolve a problem. And I think if that needs to be what we what we do in every single area, so emotionally, physically, I think that we need to be sitting uh, on one side of the table and saying obesity is a huge problem. Heart disease, cancer, people, People, you know, and I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to make this sound flippant, but my mother died basically because she wouldn't drink water, you know, so she, she died of renal failure and, you know, it just, Mark, it makes me so mad because I wanted my mother to meet all of her grandchildren. And and she didn't get to. And I really believe that God had more time and more years for her. And so certain things were, but, but she saw that as, don't make me drink water. She didn't see it as saying, hey, we're gonna put this problem that is going to actually rob you on the other side of the table. How do we move towards that? And then, you know, I feel like we've got, you know, so we've got emotionally, people are on edge. They're easily offended. They're, uh, they're having to face things that they've tried to avoid. And you know here's the thing, John and I have been married for 38 years this October. Wow, so,
0: congratulations, that's yeah, awesome. It,
1: it is, I'm 60, John's 61. We did the majority of our fighting 10 years ago going into this season. We knew our season was going to change and so we were going from being parents who are people where whole focus is kids, blah, 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 to now we're empty nesters. What did we want that to look like? And we have learned that it's better to fight for an answer than just fight with each other. And so John and I fight for a relationship, not just fight and fight we have set up certain parameters so that we fight fair, so that we fight in constructive ways and so we attack problems not people we attack uh you know we have these two chairs that we sit in and when we sit in these two chairs we have to listen we're not allowed you know john is john is a lawyer like not in real life but in his brain he's a lawyer so every time i talk i can see when all he's doing is thinking of what he's going to say back. We're not allowed to do that because what I'm going to require of him is he's going to repeat what I just said. So he's got to listen to be able to repeat, not refute. And I I hope that the people that are on this podcast right now, I hope your hearts are open, that you are listening to Dr. Mark and I talk so that you can repeat so that you can actually realize the things we're going to talk about, and a lot of these, they're small pivots that you do consistently to achieve a huge change. A lot of times people think, no, it's too overwhelming. I can't do this, but you can do the small thing, and then you can do the next small thing, and then the next small thing, and then the next small thing, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a much bigger, larger, more generous, well position than you were a year ago and so i love what you're doing and uh, i do feel like these are conversations that need to be had there's so many couples that are saying oh my gosh i've been trapped home with my husband or i've been trapped home with my wife for the last two months and i realize now that i don't love her i married the wrong person we're getting divorced no you always had a problem but what happened was you were content to just survive for those three to four hours that you came home from work ate dinner and then sat and watched tv and you didn't have the hard conversations i understand that what i'm asking is not an easy thing but it is the healthiest best thing that you can do to build a strong marriage strong families parents are like i i don't even know how to talk to my kids about certain things we've gotten so used to dropping children off at school dropping them off at Sunday school that we, the parents, have in a lot of ways abdicated our right of influence, education, and the number one influence in our children's lives.
0: I totally agree. And, and, you know, you you brought up a lot of good points, and I want to hit on a a couple of them here. And and I appreciate that. I told you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to get a passionate one today. This is good.
1: That's because I'm Sicilian.
0: I love it. And you you I've heard you speak before and um, you do tell, you know, personal failures or personal oops moments or personal faults. And a lot of people would think, okay, John and Lisa Bevere, they don't fight about anything, but I've heard you say it and talk about that, that you guys you guys had some knockdown dragouts kind of talk about a little bit about that
1: Oh we were utterly ridiculous. The first three years of our marriage looked like WWF wrestling. I remember being in a disagreement with John and and this is funny now it was not funny in the moment but it's hilarious now I remember bolting for the front door grabbing the car keys on the way out pulling out and John jumped on the roof of the car. (laughs) And I drove down the street. With my husband on the windshield, I was doing the spray wash, trying to get him off. We came around the corner. There was a bunch of firemen at the fire station on the corner of our neighborhood. They look at John. John says, she's stealing the car. I look at him like, this man is crazy. And so, I mean, we were ridiculous. I don't know how many other couples are that Ridiculous, but John and I could have easily had an award-winning reality television show. I'm so glad nobody was there to tape it. So John and I again. John's Italian, and I think he's also Dutch. And then I, on the other hand, am Sicilian, French, English. These are not these are not compliant uh, personalities. My Sicilian has an Arab component, not helpful, not helpful at all. And so when we would have a disagreement, he would say something, then I would say something, it a little bit more. He would escalate it, I would escalate it, then I would tackle him, or he would tackle me. And then we had this beautiful baby boy, and I thought, we can't do this in front of our son. He can't have crazy parents what are we going to do? And so, Dr. Mark, first four years, WWF. Next four years, we just, kind of, we just kind of survived. But in year eight, we said, you know what? We want to grow. We want to grow. We want to know what it means to have dominion. We want to use our strengths to highlight one another's strengths. See, for the first eight years, I used my strengths to point out John's weaknesses. He used his strengths to point out mine. But marriages are not supposed to be a power struggle. They're supposed to be a power union. And power union people treat one another like allies. They sit down at the table, and I would challenge everybody to do this, whether it's marriage, or whether it's with your children, or whether it's with your employees, or whether it's with friendships, and say instead of me saying this is not what you do this you don't do this this or this for me and i do this well look at it differently think about this is the strength i bring to the table and this is the strength you bring to the table i'm going to celebrate your strength if two nations sit down together and they're going to go to war with that not with each other, but with that problem that's on the other side of the table, one nation says, I can bring this to the table. This is where I can help. The other person says, well, I can bring this to the table. Maybe one nation has incredible intel. And then the other nation has an amazing air force. If they work together, they'll be successful. Not that I'm meaning to embrace violence, but you know, we that translates to any other thing. My husband is super great with structure. I am super great with nurture. I'm gonna be like, you can build big, but you better build safe. Nurture is the language of the heart. It is that emotional thing. You and I were talking ahead of time where women are more emotional. But you know, when we hear that, When I hear that as a woman is, you're saying I'm invalid. You're saying I'm responding only emotionally. Well, that's not true. Women don't respond only emotionally. Women are more emotionally aware. I would say that that's a fair thing where I've had to learn that my husband does feel things very deeply, very deeply, but he has a hard time, Dr. Mark, saying what he's feeling. So instead of... Using my emotional acronym to point out his lack of sensitivity or his lack of ability to read a room or a situation. I've learned to use my emotional awareness to pull out what he is feeling, to ask the right questions and say, So, John, what you're really feeling right now is you're feeling unnecessary you're feeling powerless you're feeling disrespected you're feeling and then when he can say yes because maybe it's only manifesting as anger maybe it's only manifesting as him withdrawing but see as a woman the bible, the bible says in proverbs 31 that she is the guardian of the heart so i can use my strengths to guard a heart or destroy one I have intimate access into the life of my children, the life of my husband, the life of my daughter-in-laws. And because of just the way my world is, I have intimate access in a lot of ways to a lot of people uh, through my social media. So when... I look at a situation and people are highly charged and they're, they're, they're confused and they, they, they feel hurt and afraid, I can either slap back or I can be aware that even though what they're saying isn't right or how they're doing it isn't constructive, I have the ability to go to the root of what's actually happening and speak healing.
0: Well, I love that. And, and you know, we've talked a little bit about before we went on about how that when we get anger manifested in and it, think it's so real, so deep, we begin to, in a sense, become someone else. And I've used an acronym before that, that kind of stuck with me a long time ago this fraud, frauds, F R A U D S. It's an acronym fear, resentment, anger, unforgiveness, disappointment, and shame. And we begin to live like that, don't we? And it, we become someone else, you know. So, what you're saying is there's, there's nothing wrong with having the emotion. There's nothing wrong with having this this anger because it's valid sometimes. But look at the situation differently. And I, I find that very, very intriguing. And I think it applies even to, you know, relationships, health, you know, a relationship with God. And, and you know, in a spiritual sense, uh, Lisa, I, I think you would agree that with, with God, we, we allow him to do his part. But we have a part to do, too. Kind of talk about that a little bit when it comes to this relationship with, uh, you know, lifestyle, emotions and, and marriage, etc.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it, it was really interesting for me. Um, I think I was born angry. I I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I can't look back in my life and think, when was I not angry? I had colic as a baby. I had all sorts of stomach problems growing up. What, what am I saying right there? That I had pain. I had pain. It's, and then my parents were divorced, not once, but twice. They divorced, remarried, divorced again. Again, pain, fear, unbelief. It kept compounding. And being angry isn't wrong Unless you take it to the next stage. The next the Bible is very clear. It says, be angry, but it also says, and sin not. So there are things, valid things in our lives that 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 trigger anger. And where we go with that is we need to ask ourselves some questions. What made me, what why did that make me angry? I think it's an important thing to be able to answer before you lash out, say something. you know? And for me, I found uh, anger to be evident wherever I came up against something I couldn't control, couldn't control the outcome of. So I had an eating disorder from the time I was 15 to the time I was 22. I, I actually was angry at my own body angry, angry at my own body. I will control you. See, there's people that they see their body and they think, now I, you know, I I need to, I need to take better care. Better care of your body is nurturing your body, but anger punishes your body. It says, I'm going to restrict you. I'm going to starve you. I'm going to make you work out until you feel like you're finally worthy of eating. And so I did that ridiculous, horrible dance from the time I was 15 until the time I was 22. And it all started with an encounter with my dad. I came home from school one day. He said, and I, I had been swimming competitively from the time I was five until 18, but I sat out one year when I tore my Achilles tendon and cause I had done running and track back to back and they pull the muscles different way snapped my tendon and I came in and my dad like Sicilian hundred percent Sicilian terrifying man sitting in this black chair smoking a cigarette I just remember him looking at me and going come over here and I thought uh oh what what have I done what have I done immediately I, I thought I am being assessed and I am failing and he's like turn around and, and <laughs> I turned around in a circle and he said your butt is huge how much do you weigh? And, and I, I didn't know what I weighed. I was 15. I only got weighed at camp and when I went to get a physical for sports. And so I looked at my dad and I mean, I drew a blank and I said, I, well, at camp I weighed and I gave him my camp weight. And he's like, you're not at camp anymore. Get back, get back into my bathroom, weigh yourself and come back and tell me what you weigh. So I remember feeling shame become a covering for me as i walked down that hallway i mean i remember that that walk i'm a 60 year old woman and i remember that walk of shame back to my parents bathroom flipping on their lights standing on the scales coming back and realizing i had gained 20 pounds since the summer and my father telling me you're fat Nobody is ever going to like you. No boys are ever going to date you. You need to lose this weight right now. And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I went back into my bedroom, locked the door, pulled the blinds, climbed up on my bed so I could see my reflection in the little mirror above my dresser. And I saw my headless body and I hated it. I hated it. I was angry. I hated it. I thought, you're my problem. You're my, I never thought, this is my temple. I never thought, this body has potential. I never thought, wait a minute, I've been a swimmer. Wait a minute, this body is strong. This body is beautiful. One day this body is going to bear me children. I never thought that. I thought, I hate you. And so all the anger and shame, I put it on there. And for, from 15 to 22, I had an eating disorder until... God the Father came alongside of me and said, baby girl, I'm the one who made you. Not shape, not glamour, not vogue. And I am the one who can tell you what you can weigh. Not them. I'm like, wait, you care about that? And he's like, anything, anything that concerns you is a concern to me because you're my child. And, and some people might think, well, that's just a silly thing. But it's become a controlling influence for so many people. They don't know how to surrender. So they have a love-hate relationship with their body, and they have a love-hate relationship with food. But I had a deeper thing, a deeper thing. that I, I got that sorted out. By the time I was 22, God gave me a weight. He, I mean, I've been eating clean. I live an active lifestyle. He's maintained my life in that realm but around, uh, I want to say 30, maybe I was just 30. Um, I started to notice I had a lot of fear in my life, a ton of fear and Dr. Mark where it manifested itself more than anything else was in the life of my second born son. My second born son was amazing when he was born. Now, people don't believe me, but this is the God honest truth. He flipped over from stomach to back when he was 20 seconds old. He was riding a bike without training wheels, without training wheels at two, not two and a half, but two and two months, riding a bike without training wheels. He he was physically so well wired. He was so, you know, fearless. But then I started to hear him say things that he that were in my head, but he'd never heard me say them. I started to hear him say, I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. And I, I sat down with him. I think he was three at the time. And I said, Austin, who told you you can't do that? And he just looked at me blankly. And I said, who told you? You can do anything you want, Austin. You can be anything you want. Who told you you couldn't? And he just, he didn't even know how to answer me, but you and I know those fears. Those fears are woven. And so I got, I got into prayer and I said, God, what is going on with my son? Because in all honesty, I had gotten used to living in chains. I had gotten used to living with a measure of freedom. Measures of freedom require much less responsibility than total freedom.
0: And Good so I heard right there. I like that a lot. Yeah. Say that one more time. I want people to get that. Write it down.
1: Nature of freedom requires much less responsibility than embracing the entire freedom that we believe that God has paid for you to have and we believe that you can make healthy choices and walk into. And so I said what's going on and he said your son will inherit either my promises or your fears. And he said, you have to face off with these things or they will continue to grow in strength and overshadow your legacy. And so Dr. Mark, I I became aggressive about it. And what I found out was, here was my anger. That was the surface thing. Angry at John, angry at myself. Angry all these different anger things going on on edge on edge But right below that anger was fear There was fear. I lost an eye when I was five to cancer. My parents were divorced twice somewhere I Began to believe that if I was not in control I Was going to be hurt my choices were going to be taken away but you have to go a little bit, another layer lower than fear. The root of my fear was a heart of unbelief because I believed that God was good for everyone, but not necessarily for me. Wow. And there's a lot of people that will say God is good. They'll pray for anybody they meet on the streets. But until until you, and I hope every person listening in on this conversation until you actually say, God, you're not just good for them. You're good for me. Until he is your personal God who is good, you will not take good care of your health. You will not have the tools to build a good relationship. You will not even have a good relationship with God. Why, should, why would we have a good relationship with God if, if we don't really at some level feel like he's, he's wanting our best. If we think he's looking for reasons to judge us, reject us, shame us, blame us, we're going to always cower in the presence of God. But God is looking for his people to rise. And um, especially women, I think in, in this season, uh, we have some choices. We can, we can embrace our strength and, and own our part and not imagine that I gain my strength by taking it from the men, but understanding that I get my strength directly from my heavenly father, that God is the one because he is the strength of my life. That I don't have to go to John to get what God has already provided for me. John is not my Jesus. Jesus is the one that got all that for me. I don't have to go through John to get to God. And then the flip side of, Strong is not wrong for women is that wrong is not strong. Anger, rage, blame, shame. Oh, they feel strong in the moment. But it takes more strength to forgive than it does to curse. More strength to bless than it does to slap. And we have to, we have to be people who are willing to get those inner core strengths settled in our lives so that we can actually do good, not just look good.
0: I love that. And, you know, I've many times asked people in the office, you know, who God is, and they'll give me all these wonderful things. And then I'll ask them if God had one word for you to describe you right now, what would that be? And I'll tell you most of the time, it's some kind of a multiple word, but it's all negative. And You're right. I've watched people self-sabotage all behavior by the way of inflicting punishment. They're not eating or eating too much. You're not going to take my cookies from me, that kind of thing. These are my chips. This is my stronghold. Um, And I like what you said, and I want you to hit that hard again. The secret to really being free is understanding how much God loves you. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know... I love that you brought this up and it's actually, it's actually a a topic that I really tackled in a book that comes out in August called Godmothers. But I realized that so many Christians live in the fear that they are displeasing their father, that they're going to, this is what I hear. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss God. And Then it's interesting, because most of their prayers are almost like they're giving God a quiz. Their prayers go like, God, should I marry this guy or not marry this guy? God, do I stay in this job accept the next job offer or none of the above? It's like they have an audience with the creator of the universe who gave his only begotten son to show his love. And again, I think a lot of people think that God was this angry God in the Old Testament sends Jesus. Jesus like, oh, no, you need to change your mind. And then he's like, okay, now I love him. No, God, God talks about many times in the Old Testament about I have loved you with an everlasting love. So God is like, my love for you has no beginning, no end. That, that's basically who he is. And so they, they have this idea and they're, they're going to God. I, I need you to answer me. You know, what, what's, what's going to happen? What's, what's, what is this going to look like? And God is like, this sounds like what happened on Mount Sinai. Moses, you talk to God, and whatever he says, we'll do it. It's better to know God. And when you know God, then you actually know his heart. And this is what I'm beginning to say to all these beautiful, young, oh my gosh, talented Millennials and Gen Zs that I get to speak to, they'll they'll come to me afraid. Like I don't want to miss God, and I'll say, you know what? He's a really big target.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great.
1: And, and, and I said, look at the words of David. He says, if I ascend to the highest heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. He says, where can I run from your presence? Where can you go? So God is all around. Some, something us, Lewis said, and I'm not going to quote it correctly, but I just love quoting people smarter than me. Uh, I should have this in front of me. But basically he said, not only is God in heaven, but he is everywhere incognito. God's presence is everywhere. And, you know, there's people that are going to be listening right now to you and I, and maybe they're in the car. And for the first time they're thinking, wait a minute, God's a big target. Wait, I can't miss him. Wait, that, that's a deal. You know, I'm just going to tell you the only way you miss a target is if you never shoot. Mm. And it says his mercy and his grace. What does it say? Follows me all the days of my life. Well, it's hard to follow something that isn't moving. So he's with you. But what he wants you to do is keep moving forward. You know, they say there's two things, fight, flight. But I have learned there's a third. It's called freeze. Yeah. Freeze. And this generation uh, has suffered from freeze more than anybody else because, you know, you and I had less choices. They have so many choices that they're so overwhelmed that they freeze. Yeah, they shut down and all I want to say to any person that is there is just take that first step forward God says he will be that voice behind us saying this is the way walk you in it so if you start walking and it's not the way he'll be like not the way <laughs> not the way go left go left nope nope but standing in a frozen position that's just not, that's just not going to serve you well.
0: I like that because physiologically in an autonomic nervous system, the fight, fight, or freeze is real. And many times people get, we call it get stuck. They do nothing and they get completely rolled over and they don't, there's no change. There's no movement, not forward or backwards. And it becomes their norm. And the longer they sit in that norm, Lisa, they stay there and they're, with their neurological pathway, it's like this ruts they get in there is so deep and you can just take your hands off the wheel and let your body just go without even thinking about it. So the longer one stays frozen, would you agree the, the the more challenging it is to get moving again?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cause they don't have momentum. I think it's a, it's either an osteopath or a chiropractor that I love to quote. His name is Dr. Gabriel Roth. And he says, when you set people in motion, they heal themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that people that are listening to you and I will begin to just move. And as they move, there's motion. You know, I, um, I a couple years ago, uh, again, I, I only like to recreate doing things that can kill you. So I've, I like to ski, I like to hunt, I like to surf. John golfs, he plays pickleball, he plays tennis those things can't kill you. I used to have a ninja motorcycle. My son wrecked it, so I don't have that anymore. But on one of my particular ski trips, my husband told me, you need to calm down, you're going too fast, you were sick yesterday, you're weaker than you know, which, I'm sorry, you should never say that to me. You're weaker than you know. Now I'm just like, now I have to prove to you that I am stronger than you know. And I went down the mountain, hit a patch of ice, just began to spin, knock, knock me. up. I broke my arm oh, from no. my rotator cuff. And the whole time it was happening, I'm spinning, falling out. All I'm saying is I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Why? Because I did not want to admit that I was injured. Two weeks later, i am in so much pain that I go into a chiropractor and I'm like, I don't know, something's wrong with my arm. Can you try to like and he's like, I am not touching your arm. I'm going to do an x-ray on your arm. He does an x-ray. He comes out and he's like, your arm is broken. What is wrong with you? Are you a hockey player? I had been on trips. I was trying to put things in the overhead. My arm would start shaking. What happened because of that? Because I injured this and did not pay attention to it. The whole rest of my body got out of sync because it was having to baby my left arm Because I wasn't healing it. And so there's a time to pay attention to something, but it was never about uh, not having motion in my whole body because I was injured in one area. And there's too many people right now. Yeah, you got hurt in your marriage. Yeah, you got disappointed with a job. Yeah, you got, you know, you had a friend betray you. Or maybe right now, you're thinking, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what my, my future even looks like. Guess what? You don't have to figure it out, but you do need to stay in motion. And one of the things I do to stay in motion, because we're all kind of in the same place, is worship. I, I sing my heart out. I play music. I let my heart open up. I don't want my spirit to close. I don't want my heart to close. What else do I do? I intentionally look for ways to be kind, to other people i intentionally look for ways to build other people you know i wrote a devotion called strong and and one of the ways i love to position this is i i tell an embarrassing but true story uh i have four boys one of my boys birthday is actually today my oldest son addison turned 34 today
0: i After- need to tell him today at the date of this broadcast yes. yep. telling
1: so I remember I believed in a minimum of a 50-pound weight gain for a good baby. So I was way heavier than John. And, you know, John's kind of slight. And so I think it was with Alec. I remember sitting on him on the floor, and he couldn't get up. And I thought it was hilarious because he couldn't get up. He was struggling, but his wife outweighed him by, you know, quite a bit. So he couldn't get up. And I thought, look how strong I am. Nope, that wasn't strong. That was weight. And the truth is, it takes more strength to lift and carry people than it does to hold them down. Mm. And I thought I was strong because I was holding my husband down, but I couldn't pick him up and carry him. Mm. And so we need to understand as women, we have a unique strength. We can use our words to build. We can use our words to lift, to carry. I know that my husband, when I compliment him, when I celebrate him, he, he feels like he could do anything. When he compliments me or celebrates me, I'm thinking he just wants sex. But when I do that for him, it's like he just is like, oh my gosh, she believes in me. Yeah. And God says those kind of things over each and every one of us. He says, it is not about who you've been. It's about who you are becoming. And in this season of hardship right now, this season of hardship, I want to use it, Dr. Mark to develop strength. I want to come out of this season stronger than I went into it. I want to come out of this season with, with, more unknowns, but more faith. I want to come out where I can't see in the natural, but I have a increased vision and spiritual. I want to speak words that are going to produce fruit in my next season, rather than echo the fears of the media, echo the fears even of my own head. I want to say, God is good. God knows the plans he has for me, and they are plans to do good and not to harm me. God knows that those plans are for a hope and a future. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11. So there you go. That's, that's how I'm setting myself up for strength in this season.
0: I love that. And as we wind down in our time here, boy, time went fast with us today. So <laughs> wow, I just really am grateful. But I want you to do two things, if you would. Uh, Kindly, number one, tell people how best to get in touch with you uh, and the various, you know, media outlets. And I know you have an extensive social media following. And then there are women out there right now, and I just feel really strongly about this that are are stuck. They're in a place. Maybe they're they're wondering what to do, and they're in a place where they feel hopeless, desperate, and downright angry. What words would you have for them from the Lord right now?
1: Okay. So I'm going to start with that. First and foremost, I kind of said it earlier, you know, for years I I blamed my husband. I blamed the fact that my parents were divorced. I blamed the fact that I lost an eye to cancer. I blamed a lot of my circumstances that were in my past for where I was in my present. And I wanna tell you something that I've learned as a 60 year old woman, is you never wanna give your past or a person that much power over you. You have the right to make a choice. I know it's going to be scary, but if you wanna not be frozen, you need to say this day, I choose to take responsibility for my choices, I choose to take responsibility for my future. I'm going to stop looking back because then I'll go back. I'm going to lift my eyes and I'm going to say, God, I I believe that even though I don't know the plan, you know the plan. And so I'm going to trust in the goodness of God. Then I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you, what is the one thing? What is the one thing? And the Holy Spirit will tell you, what is the one thing you need to do? maybe it's a person you need to forgive maybe it's and, and i know this sounds crazy but maybe you need to actually go to somebody and say i am so sorry i i've been trapped in a cycle of of unforgiveness with you maybe you can do that by a phone call maybe you can i know we're in social distancing world yell through their window i don't know but we can do emails but maybe there's a relational breach for me it was with my mother that actually needs be healed. Maybe it's actually something you're scared to do. Maybe God has asked you to step out and do something, and you're like, okay, anything but that. No, I don't want to do that. Do the last thing he told you. Do the last thing he told you. Maybe he's told you to serve somewhere, and you're like, I don't want to serve there. Maybe he's told you to to leave what the job you hate and, and work in capacity towards the job that you love. Whatever it is, do that one thing. Do that practical thing that you can do. Take a motion forward. For me, I said, God, I have lived in a realm of fear and unbelief. I remember writing in my journal, I said, this day, this day everything changes. I believe you are good. I will no longer live in the confines of myself and my crazy mind. I will no longer search my past by the light of my own understanding. I'm going to search my life according to your word. I'm going to allow your word to be my search light. And I'm going to stop trying to figure things out because you can study your past and you will still be messed up once you know why. So, knowing why doesn't set you free. Knowing the truth is what sets you free. And knowing God, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, if we go to that way, He becomes our pathway. If we go to that truth, He becomes our answer. And if we go to that light, He moves us out of a place of death and darkness. And so, He's that life for us. So, that would be the first thing I would tell you to do action wise. And then I I live and breathe this. This is what I try to do every single day on my social media. Um, you can keep in contact with me by just checking out Lisa Bevere. And you think, how in the world do you spell that? It's just like severe, but with a B. So Lisa Bevere, B-E-V-E-R-E. And Instagram is my favorite thing because I can, I can post memes, but I can also go in and I have all sorts of different clips and stories about writing your way forward, about dealing with anger with my children, about uh, raising boys, raising, raising my four sons. I have things about marriage. And so I feel like that one is great, but I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. And then I also have lisabevere.org, O-R-G, if they want to go to that.
0: Wow. What a wonderful, wonderful time. And and I think that the, the phrase that everyone needs to take away is make today this day. Just like you did. You said this day. Make it this day. Whenever you hear this, make it this day. Um, Lisa, I am very grateful. Um, my wife and I on behalf of us, thank you for being with us today and uh, would love, love, love to do this again because there's so many different, so many different places we can go with this. You are a fireball my friend and I think Severe Bavir is going to be my new nickname for you <laughs> really it's awesome I love that so, that's
1: what I call John but yes yes we call him Severe Bavir I love him So
0: well thank you so much and uh, ladies and gentlemen I really appreciate you guys joining us on our podcast today and if there's anything that you can do certainly subscribe to this uh, particular feed and find out you know what's coming next who's coming next so that we can continue to work together to dive into all these challenging issues just as we talked about today to solve the problems not let problems become the mountain we can't get across because those things are stealing our health so we'll look forward to talking to you next week we'll see you later bye-bye